You're listening to the Redeemer Theological Academy with Pastor Brian Cashelmeyer of Redeemer Lutheran Church, Los Alamos, New Mexico. On the Redeemer Theological Academy, we mine the riches of the Scripture and the Church Fathers and find in them Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer. Here's the Academy with Pastor Cashelmeyer. Welcome back to the Redeemer Theological Academy. Now, today we want to finish talking about the prophet Jonah, chapter 4, and then we'll shift gears and we'll talk about the prophet Nahum, which is kind of like Jonah 2.0, Jonah the second part, if you will, because both prophets are preaching to Nineveh. But before we get to the prophet Nahum, we've got to finish the prophet Jonah. All right. We've got a lot to talk about. Let's go ahead and get started. Now, in the book of Jonah, it opens with a great city, a great wind, and a great storm, and, of course, a great fear. But now, as we close this book in chapter 4, it opens up with a great evil. Of course, then Jonah will have a great joy, and we'll end on the note of a great city. It is ironic that originally Yahweh had sent Jonah to Nineveh because of the evil that went up to his face from the great city. But now in chapter 4, we are concerned about the great evil of Jonah. And the key to the city, of course, is God's pity. Not Jonah, not Jonah's thoughts, not Jonah's thinking, and we'll talk a little bit about Jonah's thinking. Now, remember that uh, throughout this book, we know that Yahweh is the one who has made the heavens and the sea and the dry land. He is the creator of all things. He's the one who appointed a great fish in the end of Jonah chapter 1 and Jonah chapter 2. And now in this chapter, he's going to appoint a plant and he will appoint a worm and he will even appoint And, of course, he will appoint a scorching wind. So, like in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, we are taught that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And, of course, Christ himself, the pre-incarnate Christ, is here present in the Old Testament. He is the very word of God. He is the very one who created all things, being there in the beginning with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Now, let's go ahead and look at Jonah chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Of course, remember that this is coming off the heels of a change that Nineveh is overthrown. That is, the king steps down from his throne and Yahweh reigns in the hearts of the people through the preaching of the word. And so the city was not destroyed. Yahweh had changed his verdict from destruction and death to salvation and life. Therefore, we have the opening here of chapter 4. Nevertheless, it did evil to Jonah, a great evil. So it angered him. Now, the focus is upon Jonah here. Jonah now has the great evil, no longer the great city. And Jonah is the one who is angered. In verse 2, 
we hear Jonah having a conversation with God. This divine dialogue, this consecrated conversation in prayer, praying to the name of Yahweh. So then Jonah prayed to Yahweh and he said, Please, Yahweh, was this not what I spoke while still on my ground? Therefore, I previously fled to Nineveh, because I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And you are he who changes his verdict regarding evil. Now, as we said before, this confession of faith of Yahweh is the confession of Yahweh given to Moses. So that when the Israelites confess God, Elohim in the Hebrew, we're talking about the true God, the living God, the one who comes and interacts with his creation, the one who comes to bring salvation and deliverance to his people, just like he promised in the words he gave to Eve in the garden that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. So God is the one who comes to deliver. And in the book of Exodus, we learn that God is Yahweh, the one who delivers from oppression and slavery in Egypt. He's the one who makes the dry ground for the people to walk across. Well, it's in Exodus chapter 34 where we have this confession of the name of Yahweh where Moses is having a conversation with Yahweh. And Yahweh passed over before him, that being Moses, and he proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, God, who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love to thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And he does not leave anything unpunished, punishing the guilt of the fathers on sons and on sons and sons on the third and fourth generations. So this is the confession of Yahweh. So when the Israelites go into the promised land, and there in the land of Canaan, you have those who are devoted to their deities and they worship in their ways, they have a different confession of faith. They're talking about their fertility deities or their gods of love, erotic love, that is. But the Israelites, they have the confession of the name Yahweh. And in that name of Yahweh, with these words that are given to us in that second book of Moses, chapter 34, we know that Yahweh is merciful and compassionate. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. That is, his nostrils take a long time before they flare up. He is patient with us. Now, sin provokes him to anger, but yet he is patient. He is one who abounds in this steadfast love, this chesed, this uh, mercy and loyal love and this grace toward us. Again, it's not an ambiguous mercy and steadfast love. It's always a mercy, steadfast love, and grace that's tied to his word of promise. And he is faithful to keep his promise. And so Jonah, as a prophet, who proclaims the same word as Moses, for all the prophets speak in unison with Moses. In fact, all the prophetic books after the five books of Moses are basically a commentary on the Torah. 
teaching the people of God, instructing them in the word of God, when they have gone astray and they have gone away, that they followed after other gods and worshipped in other ways of the world and sought after a different wisdom than the wisdom of God. But Jonah knows. Jonah knows this word that he is to proclaim as a prophet. Now, we said this before, this is just like the prophet Joel. For Joel also proclaims this same word, that we know that Yahweh is gracious and merciful. I mean, this is what we saw in Joel chapter 2, as we talked before, where Joel says that he wants the people to rend their hearts and not just their garments, but return to Yahweh, your God. Why? Because, Joel says, he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And he changes his verdict from evil. So this is the prophetic message. This is the message of all the prophets. In fact, Moses reiterated this in Numbers chapter 14, where in that fourth book of Moses, he writes down clearly to the people so that they would know. As we have said before, the written scriptures are written down for posterity's sake, so that the people of God can be certain and sure of what they hear from the mouth of the prophets is the voice of God. Now, in chapter 14 of the book of Numbers, you have yet again one of these occurrences where the people of God don't want to hear the word of God. They grumble and they complain against Moses, the mouthpiece of God, and against Aaron. The whole congregation just wants to go back to Egypt. But remember, it was in Egypt where they were oppressed and they were outside the land of promise. And they were not listening to the voice of God clearly. But yet they want to return. They want to rebel. The old Egyptian in them rises up to rebel against God. But as we've said before, as believers, we are simultaneously sinners and saints at the same time. We are justified through faith. And sometimes the old Adam or the old Egyptian rises up and tries to take over. But he needs to daily drown through contrition and repentance, turning back to the word of God so that we would rise in newness of life. Well, it's Moses in Numbers chapter 14, who stands as the prophet, the mediator between the wrath of God because of the sin of the people and the people who have found themselves under God's wrath and his fire and his judgment. So in Numbers 14, Yahweh is speaking to Moses and saying, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I've done among them? I will strike them with a pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you, O Moses, a nation that is greater and mightier than they. But this is where, once again, we see Moses is acting as the mediator, the one who is to stand in the stead of the people, proclaiming the promises of Yahweh, that Yahweh would not look on the people based upon their sin, but would look upon the people based upon his promises that he gave them. So in verse 13, Moses responds to Yahweh and he says, if this happens, then the Egyptians will hear of it. For you brought this people 
in your might from among them, and they will go and tell the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Yahweh, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Yahweh, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Of course, that's the promised presence of Yahweh for peace and pardon. That's the place where the people of God can be assured that they have access to the face of grace. Because it's the second person of the Holy Trinity, the Kavod Yahweh, the glory of the Lord, who is there present with his people in the cloud. But yet, the people are there in the midst of this foreign land. They're in the midst of wandering in the wilderness, and others have heard the rumors of what Yahweh has done, bringing them out of Egypt. And they can see that there's something different with this people. So Moses is now articulating with Yahweh, arguing his case as a mediator. And he sang to Yahweh this, The people will then say that Yahweh was not able to bring out the Israelites into the land that he swore to give to them. Instead, he has murdered them in the wilderness. It is at verse 18 in Numbers chapter 14 where Moses now puts before Yahweh his promise. This is what a mediator is to do. Speak on behalf of the people based upon the promises of Yahweh. So Moses says, Yahweh is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty. He's not going to let anything go unpunished. He's going to visit the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and the fourth generations. But now Moses says, please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love. Just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. And so Moses as a mediator is mediating based upon this promise of the Lord's steadfast love. So again, it's not an abstract concept that God is just gracious, that God is just merciful, but he made a promise. This is who he is. And the promise is given to Moses. And now Moses clings to the promise as a mediator for the benefit of the people. And then in verse 20, Yahweh responds, I have pardon according to your word. So with Moses, we see what the prophet is to do. The prophet is to speak the word of God from God to the people then the prophet is supposed to speak the word of the people to God. So he's the mouthpiece of God, speaking his word, but at the same time, he becomes the mouthpiece of the people, beseeching Yahweh's mercy and grace based upon his promise. That's what a prophet was to do throughout the Old Testament. And so this was the role of Joel, as we talked before, and it is the role of Jonah. But Jonah doesn't like this role. So Jonah has a different conversation with Yahweh. Not a conversation about mediation like Moses, all pointing to Jesus, who is the true mediator, the only mediator between God and man. Instead, Jonah doesn't want to have anything to do with this. 
So let's go back to the book of Jonah and hear those words in the conversation of Jonah. This is where Jonah is stepping outside of his role in his office as a prophet. So instead of speaking the word of the people in behalf of the people to mediate because of sin, Jonah is going to speak his own case. And so Jonah says in verse 3, And now, Yahweh, please take my soul from me, because my death is better than my life. So that's the plea of Jonah. I've had enough. I'm undone. I don't want to do this anymore. But notice that what Yahweh does. Yahweh does not strike him dead on spot. Instead, he continues the conversation. Yahweh, again, is merciful. He is gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So verse 4. So Yahweh said, Is it good for you to be angered? Now again, throughout the Old Testament, when Yahweh puts forth a question, it's a question of contemplation and meditation, that the prophet himself would now stop and pause and consider the word of God. So what does Jonah do? Verse 5. Then Jonah went out from the city. Okay, that's not exactly what we were looking for. Again, before when Yahweh said, Arise and travel to Nineveh, Jonah fled. Well, now here, Jonah just gets up and he goes. <laughs> he goes out from the city and he sat down east of the city. Then he made himself a booth there. And he sat down under it in the shade until he would see what would happen with the city. Now, notice the contrast that Jonah is pleading with Yahweh to take his life. And Yahweh, of course, is trying to converse with Jonah, trying to get Jonah to see the reality here. That Jonah would contemplate and meditate upon all the promises that God has made, Describing and informing, telling us, revealing who he is based upon his promise. But Jonah instead in a huff goes out and sets up a booth. I mean, if you could imagine, it's like he just sets up a booth kind of as a prophet saying, I'm over here. Here's my little table. Here's my little uh, place that I've pitched where I'm going to just watch and see because hopefully Nineveh will be destroyed. <laughs> That's just, this is horrible. So here, Jonah is letting that old Adam take control. The old Egyptian in him rises up and is stubborn. Verse 6. So Yahweh Elohim provided a kikayon plant, and it went up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from evil, his evil. Then Jonah rejoiced with a great joy on account of a kikayon plant. Now, here are a couple of things. Now, I'm calling this a kikayon plant only because I'm just taking the Hebrew and transliterating it, just taking the Hebrew letters and using English letter equivalents to kind of make the same sound. I mean, throughout the history of translation and interpretation, there have been different ways to kind of translate this plant. Nobody knows exactly for sure what kind of plant it is. Sometimes it was a gourd or a vine or even a pumpkin. But let's just leave it as a plant. 
So Yahweh Elohim provides a plant. Now, in particular, the name Yahweh is given here. So whenever we have Yahweh, remember that confessional name that he is the one who delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. So when the Israelites go into the promised land, the land of Canaan, and the Canaanites say, we worship Elohim, that is God in Hebrew, the Israelites can say, we worship Yahweh Elohim the one who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, the one who delivers us out of captivity to sin and slavery. And so you have Yahweh Elohim here. The Lord God is the one who provides a kikayon plant, and it grows immediately over Jonah, and it's going to be a shade for his head. So this is the purpose. And the second purpose is it's going to deliver him from his evil. This is the patience of the Lord. This is the Lord's grace and mercy being slow to anger at Jonah's anger. That he's going to be the one who delivers Jonah from his own evil. But notice again now Jonah is speaking outside his office as a prophet and being one who just personally thinks that, hey, this is good for me, he rejoices. <laughs> he, he doesn't rejoice at the, the salvation of the people of Nineveh, the repentance of the people of Nineveh, that that condemnation is no more, the death is no more, they have life. Instead, Jonah rejoices with a great joy. So before, you had Yahweh appointing the great fish for Jonah to deliver him as a means of grace through which Jonah is delivered out of the depths of the sea in Sheol. And now Yahweh is trying to deliver Jonah from his own evil. Now, back in chapter 2, when Jonah's in the great fish, this is where we have Yahweh in that name which shows us salvation. Here, Yahweh is showing us salvation. But later on, notice that that name will not be there, and it'll just be God, Elohim. If Jonah just wants a God who is a creator, a God who is one apart from his word of promise, of being gracious and merciful, and slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love? Well, then that's the kind of God Jonah's going to have. So in verse 7, now here's the response of God to Jonah's great joy. So God provided a worm. Now, of course, a providing or appointing a worm is not the same as a great fish. And in fact, the purpose of the worm is not going to be the same as the great fish. The great fish was a means of grace to deliver Jonah. The kikayon plant was going to be a means of grace to deliver Jonah from his own evil. But this is different. So let's look again at this verse, starting with God as Elohim, the Hebrew word for God here, without the divine name Yahweh. If you just want a creator who appoints his creation to do his will, then that's what Jonah has. So God provided a worm when the dawn came up on the next morning and it struck the kikayon plant so that it dried up. Now we have the purpose of the provision of a worm. The worm is appointed for this purpose, to remove the kikayon plant. 
that plant that was to deliver Jonah from his evil. Verse 8, when the sun dawned, then God provided a scorching eastern wind. Again, here we have Elohim without the divine name Yahweh and the confession of one who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. If Jonah just wants God without that promise, then the Creator is going to provide a scorching eastern wind. And the sun struck upon the head of Jonah, and he was faint. Then he asked his soul to die, and he said, My death is better than my life. Now, in this passage, it's striking in more ways than one, but it's striking that Jonah now has the Creator without the word of promise. And so creation, natural knowledge that we have from creation tells us that there is a creator. But in that creation, God appoints life, but the Lord also takes life. So you see the ugliness of creation in death and destruction. And this is the kind of God that now Jonah wants. And so God, Elohim, provides a scorching eastern wind. But Jonah here, what's striking, again, in more ways than one, is Jonah now talks to himself. He now talks to his own soul to die. So Jonah's speaking not to Yahweh anymore. He's not having a conversation with Yahweh. He's having a dialogue with himself. And he's saying to his soul, soul, my death is better than my life. He had already pleaded with Yahweh that Yahweh would take away his life. But now he's convincing his soul that that's the case. Verse 9, And God said to Jonah, So again, now this is Elohim, the creator of all things, the one who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And God said to Jonah, Is it good for you to be angry about the Kikayon plant? Again, we have this question of meditation and contemplation. Before, Yahweh says, is it good for you to be angered? And you have this conversation that's initiated. But now, Yahweh comes back and once again reiterates, is it good for you to be angry now about the Kikayon plant? About these things that are in creation? And Jonah responds to God. It is Good for me to be angry until death. That's the conversation Jonah was having with himself. And now he continues that same thought as he talks with God. And so now notice then the response. And Yahweh said. So now we have Yahweh, the one who is known by his name. The name that's to be proclaimed. Yahweh who is compassionate. Yahweh, who's merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So Yahweh continues the conversation with Jonah. And here notice that the focus is on pity. So this is the key to the city of Nineveh, that Yahweh is one who has pity. Not because the people of Nineveh deserved his pity, but because he is one who is gracious and merciful, and he took pity upon the people. So it's not because they did something to make him merciful or gracious. It is who God is. 
it is who Yahweh is. That's the confession of the divine name. So here we have the divine name, and Yahweh said, with a question of contemplation and meditation, you yourself took pity upon the Kikayon plant, which you did not labor for it, and you did not cause it to become great, which it became into being in a night, and it perished in a night? And then he ends on another question. And I myself will not take pity upon Nineveh, the great city, which there is in her more than 120,000 men who do not know their right hand from their left and many animals. So this is how the whole book of Jonah ends on two questions, questions of contemplation and meditation, so that Jonah wouldn't be just stuck with his own thoughts in his heart. Instead, Yahweh would have this conversation with Jonah, focusing the attention of Jonah on who Yahweh is with a question of meditation. Yahweh, who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Redeemer Theological Academy. For more episodes or to leave comments about this show, please visit our website, RedeemerTheologicalAcademy.org. Again, that's RedeemerTheologicalAcademy.org. Thanks for listening, and may our Redeemer Jesus Christ continue to be your life and salvation, your hope and your peace.